Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London News Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head over to www.worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea gear around. So I'm happy to announce that both of my usual co-hosts have not left this transfer window, nor are we looking to extend their contracts. So as of right now, Dan, it's going to be a sensitive relationship until June. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's all about making sure that, you know, those performances, you take advantage of every minute you get, you, you play your hardest and really just continue that negotiation forward and, and let your you know play speak for itself. I'm probably going to be pretty terrible to work with until June then. So just a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you're not going to be taking any pages out of anyone's playbook necessarily at Chelsea. I, uh, I did see, speaking of non-contract negotiations, Dom Solanke on the uh, Chelsea Unseen playing with the U23s, and he just doesn't look happy. I, I would imagine that would be the case, Dan, when you uh, are the third striker and you have nine strikers ahead of you in the well, backing order. You also, you know, and your wage demands are, are that of someone who's really playing on the first team, potentially. Not necessarily that of someone who is is really a fringe uh, fringe first teamer at best, and, and probably uh, probably will leave Chelsea. I, I would imagine. Uh, I don't think Chelsea's going to uh, capitulate to his demands or his father's. But anyways, guys, we do have some iTunes reviews. As we promise, if you leave them, we will read them out and give you a shout out because of how much we like them. From the U.S. store, we have Mile High Chels. Thank you very much for the five star. From the Canadian store, Billy HD 2001, also dropping a five star. And then coming from our friends down under in Australia, Stephen Clark CFC, pretty sure we know who that is, also gave us a five star. Thank you so much. If you would like a shout out on the pod, remember, Take a four, no, nah, no, nah, five-star review in one of our iTunes stores, and we'll be happy to do that, guys. So as we roll right into this match review, we had Brentford from the EFL Championship, a club that is 
trying to work their way up the, the ladder in England. Uh, FA Cup match playing at Stamford Bridge. It was this past Saturday. Blues 4. B zero Dan lineup time obviously always going to be an exciting um, buzz around the lineup because Antonio Conte last time made nine changes. We had quite a few again. Yeah, his second favorite number after one is apparently nine because he goes for nine again. Gives us uh, minutes for Mishi up top with William and Ruben Loftus Cheek. Got to see Nathan Aki slot in as the, uh, the left wing back to start with uh, Chaloba Fabregas uh, midfield flanked by Pedro. And then Aspel Quetta, Terry Zuma uh, heading in front of Begovic. So you saw a couple of youth talents come in, maybe some relocation of some of our first team players into different areas. And you, know, you got to see potentially some players on the way out, uh, a la Begovic. And some return players, uh, you know, and Aki playing in different positions, which was, uh, you know, it was exciting, exciting light up, lineup to see. Not only that, Nick, it was pretty interesting who the substitutions were. A very wide array. You, you know, you've got Costa, who's our number one striker. You've got Ivanovic, who is apparently on the verge of leaving, a veteran that hasn't really gotten any time. And then Kennedy, who, if he played, was then locked into Chelsea for the rest of the season. So it just kind of a a wild choice of, of subs. Yeah. And then uh, you have Hazard Moses Eduardo making a cameo. That's, uh, that's interesting. And, uh, and the monumentage. So, uh, I think this was relatively expected. I think, uh, you, you look at the games that we have coming up in the next week or so, and it's really important to get some of our key players, some rest, get them ready mentally, uh, and then give, a lot of these guys who are kind of on the fringe or, or, you know, uh, are, I guess a little bit, uh, more likely to be used as substitutes in a Premier League match, get them some full game time minutes to play with each other and kind of work out some of the kinks of the formation. So I think all in all, you can ask for a, a whole hell of a lot more. Absolutely. No, it was great to see, um, like the lineup, a lot of youth, definitely not the way it was a couple years ago when we were cruising the league and Marina maybe didn't give as much time as we at all were hoping for. Uh, it's there, obviously, and that is good to see. I love, I just want to go ahead and call it Brentford's formation, a 3-5-1-1. I mean, this thing looks like a sword when you uh-huh. see it on a lineup sheet. Didn't didn't do much of a damage, though. All right, let's go ahead. Talking points, kicking us off. We had goals, so... I finally got on back on the prediction game, being our, uh, our prediction <laughs> graphic posted to social media this last week. And man, what a time it is to, uh, to post that graphic, Nick. I, I think you got the, the scores a bit early and, and just led us astray. Dan and I both predicted a three one Brandon with a nice four zero scoreline. So all credit to Brandon. Uh, I, I think. Was that our third prediction this season that was right? <laughs> you know, it, we've been letting Jay on Facebook just facilitate this. And so I need to make sure I link up with him and let him post a graphic. So it's not biased, but, you know, I didn't stand in the way of your guys' just 3-1, Dan. That's for sure. Uh, it was kind of like that goalkeeper alliance thing right there because Begovich made yeah. some saves that he typically oh, yeah. does not pull off <laughs> this to really keep that 4-0 intact. This yeah. is a bit match fixy, Brandon. I'm not sure I like what's going on here. Yeah, but you like the results. Guys, first goal, William opened up the scoring in the 14th minute with a free kick reminiscent of last season, Nick. Yeah, this was uh, in the perfect spot for him. He usually likes it on the uh, on the far side, but got it near side. Uh, looked calm as a cucumber, just slotted it right through. Uh, their, their goalkeeper, Brentford's goalkeeper, had a rough day. Uh, and, you know, this was one, Brandon, he... He might have done better on, uh, but, you know, it's, it's still a good goal. Uh, easy as you like. 14th minute, off and flying. It was good. Thankfully, the pace definitely is what caught him off guard. He's not used to, to shots coming at that velocity. But thankfully, about five minutes later, Pedro doubles the lead. Dan off another great counterattacking move. And this is nuts. Pedro literally started his run from about 15 yards outside of Begovic's box. I mean, he ran... Pretty much a hundred and some yards to get on the end of Mishi's 
miss pass maybe i don't know who's supposed to go to but hey ruben's mistouch i think it, it worked out perfectly the, the, the pseudo uh Bechuai to slash nutmeg ruben off his cheek to pedro goal scenario i'll play out really well and you know really enjoyed the fact that you know pedro again just seems to you know this badge is super important to him on the you know the crest and the shirt as he is running from end to end in the entirety of the game. And, you know, this is an FA Cup match to him, not, you know, maybe one of our league games. And he's playing just as hard as if it were Arsenal or Liverpool. And, you know, we're getting uh, getting a reborn version of uh, what, you know, people in Barcelona fans, you know, you, you know, got to see previously watching him play. No, it's a, you know, exploiting the width is what he is so good at and cutting in on that right foot. Fast forward to the second half, Ivanovic came on as a sub about 15 minutes into the half, and he was able to get on the score sheet as well, Nick, thanks to yet another attacking run from one of our wingbacks. And he had a bit of a muted celebration as well, but I think that that's totally understandable if the rumors are to be true and he's on his way out. It's emotional. Right. Uh, I think that was kind of what you, you looked at him and, and maybe a tear down the cheek. Um, you could tell how much that meant to him. Uh, I think it was also the, uh, the easiest signifier of a transfer. Um, but, you know, I think he got an incredible ovation, uh, for, for his time at Chelsea. And I actually last week went and watched some of his career highlights, of which there are many. Um, mm-hmm. but he, you know, I think the thing that you can't ever take away from him is he always gave his his best, even if his best wasn't the you know what was needed on the day. Uh, I, I always credit him for always giving his best, and in this move particularly, I think he found some pace that I'm not sure he's exhibited in a couple of years. Um, he he was booking it. I think he saw his opportunity, Brendan, and and he took it. Definitely not the cleanest strike, but it went in and it was a very, a very good thing to see, especially as if kind of like Simon Johnson and everyone's talking about on Twitter, probably going to be his farewell match. But then lastly, the cherry on top for a good day for Mishi was a penalty kick won by Ivanovic. I think the team knew he was desperate, he being Mishi, uh, for a goal. I know poor Pedro being offside twice in the first half stole him of that thunder, Dan. But it was great to see Mishi just, you know, he stepped up and buried it to his left. Um, not the most confident, but hey, once he scored, he turned around and had all the confidence in the world. Yeah, we talked about this last time during the FA Cup match when Mishi had a chance to start, is that the dude just needs some confidence. And it seems like every shot he had was labored. Every shot, you know, it had a, a significance beyond just a match result to him. It was really about, you know, instilling confidence or additional confidence from, you know, Antonio Conte into Batshuayi for his ability. You know, there were two offsides, a almost over the line, but not quite. There was a, you know, Diego Costa set up, which, you know, didn't get executed appropriately. You know, he had five or six chances himself to score during the match. And, you know, to have it come down to be a penalty kick, I think is definitely a reward for the effort and near opportunities he almost concluded on uh, throughout the full 90. It was good. Definitely good to see. Hopefully he can build on this because we're still in. Guys, we're going to the fifth round. Uh, question number one, lineup time, gentlemen. Which youth player did you think played the best? Nick, I'm going to let you choose from Zuma, Ake, Shalaba, Mishi, and Loftus-Cheek. Hmm. I think on the whole, I think Loftus Street had a pretty good day. Um, but I'm going to go with Zuma because I think Zuma was, uh, pretty, I saw flashes of Zuma and he might not have had the best day of those five, but I think I saw flashes from him that were athletically reminiscent of last year where he's getting a little, a little bit more confidence on that, on that right knee. And, um, and if that's what's happening with him, then absolutely thrilled for him. Uh, cause, he started making, I don't know if you noticed this, Dan, he started making those runs upfield. And that to me is a signifier that he's gaining a little bit of that confidence back like he did last year. 
you know, good good for passing, good engagement, uh, good picking people out, and you know also you know I think more into the second half was also helping to switch up play, you know, which was not happening in the first half. You know, we were very condensed. We weren't finding any width. And then once he and Asphalt Quetta got on the same page with the back and forth play, and that really started to open up the the bandwidth and the room for the team to kind of actually go ahead and start making some forward progress. Well, Dan, we got to flip it right back to you and see what you thought. Again, Zuma, Ake, Chalaba, Mishi, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. So, so I thought it was going to be Nathan Ake because of the Bournemouth loan, the Watford loan. Uh, I'm going to say not him though, just because we only we got really got a chance to see him in two roles. And I think one role is a very natural role for him right now in the left center back. Left wing back was a little bit more of a learning process. I'd say overall though, Ruben Loftus Cheek had a fantastic game. Uh, you know, one absolute stunner of a shot that if it doesn't go over the crossbar is the goal that we're talking about of the match. Um, able to shake off defenders, showing great pace. Um, not the kind of sluggish form that maybe we saw, you know, bits and pieces, uh, either in preseason, uh, you know, as he was kind of building up fitness or, you know, before he kind of went out for his uh, back injury. I think he's looking sharp and I think the dude either needs playing time, more of it right now for Chelsea or needs a loan because it, everything we kind of were, were sold on from a bill of good standpoint is starting to, you're starting to see it kind of just getting chipped away at there. And, and like the, the masterpiece is starting to kind of unfold. Ruben had uh, absolutely rattled that crossbar. He's taking a lot of shots as well. You can tell he's also a bit desperate to to really establish himself as an attacking threat. Great shot on Ake, though. The guy puts in a tackle. I mean, he didn't shy away from anything. He goes in hard. Uh, he's definitely toughened up from what we've seen in the last couple of years. So I thought that was great to see. Uh, personally, I thought that... Um, uh, Loftus Cheek probably had the biggest impact of those players. Uh, he's also in a central attacking role ish. So, I mean, he's going to see a lot of the ball that helped. Uh, Chalaba did all right. Nothing crazy, nothing fancy. But again, I think the, what we can take from these guys is they're definitely a step above a championship team. And that's really important for the development, especially as we move forward and go on. Antonio is probably going to be more confident in playing them in some other matches at the Premier League level. Hopefully we can see more of them. Yeah, I would uh, I would say quickly on Shalaba. Yeah. I think he had a pretty rough start to the game. Um, a guy that we all love watching, I think, was a little too jacked uh, to get his opportunity and was misplacing passes. And so was Ruben, to be honest with you. Beginning of the game was not uh, the best thing I've ever watched. But um, you know, we we had some comments. I was I was tweeting out that you know kind of that sentiment that they were a little bit off in the first 10, 15 minutes and was getting comments like, Hey, we have to give them a break. They're young. They're playing in an FA cup match. I mean, they're, they're playing at one of the highest levels in the world. Um, I don't think it's, it's too critical to expect, you know, short passes between midfielders to get to each other. So, um, you know, not being over overly critical by any means, but, uh, I think Chalba needs, uh, I think he'd want a lot of those passes back from the first half. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a, a minimum level of acceptance uh, that we can take. And, you know, just pushing them forward is, is okay. We just don't want to be the crazy Twitter trolls that our ex-girlfriends can be sometime. But anyways, I won't go down that path. <laughs> Question two, how impressed were you with how well Chelsea played after making so many changes? Uh, Dan, to me, this game showed how deep Conte's tactics and just identity of the team really have sunk into this team. Yeah. You know, I think you look at it too, that, you know, a lot, there are, you know, even though with nine changes, you know, we have some players, you know, in, in William and Pedro that bring, you know, kind of that, that, that with, you know, and, and the pace of the game, you know, you look at the fact that, you know, John Terry brings some stability and leadership to the back line. Begovic is, you know, experienced Premier League goalkeeper. So you're, you had a great mix of veterans to complement the youth talent. And I think that's, that's a great pairing to work with there. I don't even think, it, you know, the tactics, I think, is one piece of it, but he's also getting the lineup right from enough risk with young talent enough stability with kind of veteran players that it's allowing there to be some fluidity, even though I think Nick pointed out just a moment ago, 
there were 10, 15 minutes in the beginning where actually the entire team was disjointed, not just the youth players. I think everyone, once they got the rust off, we started to see the clicking that we found with the, the 3-4-3 format. Yeah, what do you think about that, Nick? I mean, it seemed like even with a little bit of a, a nervy start, as far as a positional sense and knowing where to be and when to transition, I mean, pretty much they seem like they knew what they should be doing. Now, execution was a little bit of a different story, though. Yeah, I think for the most part, it was great. I mean, this game was never in doubt. So, like, I'm not being – I don't think I'm being overly critical of the team. Uh, I didn't feel even when misplaced passes were happening that we were in any real danger because, you know, Brentford just wasn't offering that much forward. So, uh, it was just a matter of time before they started clicking. And I think an example of a, a partnership that could be emerging for some of these uh, lighter teams, uh, little less less opposition teams, would be the Shalaba-Fabregas partnership. You know, Shalaba and and Fabregas were working really well together, and uh, you could see positionally that Sesk was kind of helping him along. And you know, I think Shalaba athletically uh, was putting in you know some tackles as well to kind of help Sesk free up. So. You know, I think things like uh, Dave and uh, and Ake kind of figuring out their partnership is going to be crucial, and then also you know Pedro and Zuma kind of figuring out where they should be tactically as well. Those little partnerships that this formation is dependent on are going to be huge going forward. But I mean, there was zero doubt we were going to win this match. Good, yeah. I Chelsea were in control the entire match. It was great to see. I know I texted you guys right after Pedro's goal for number two. I said, awesome. We're up early. We can kind of just, you know, get through this match. Nothing crazy. Brentford didn't seem like they were really up for it, which is great to see. And, you know, later in the match, we even got to make some early substitutions, get some guys off, save some legs. We'll get into it. We got a big match coming up right away on Tuesday. But Nick, you know, last question. This part is should Sesk start every home match? Yeah. So this was brought up on Twitter and I threw this in the script because it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, it's obviously going to be matchup dependent, but he just looked so in control and he's looked in control in a lot of the home matches we played. Um, he kind of just is quarterbacking uh, all over the place and spring passes like there's no tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's, it's possible. I mean, you look at a, a matchup like Arsenal at home, you know, with a, a pretty light midfield coming to Sanford Bridge with some of their injuries and stuff and suspensions. And it might be a matchup where he can, he can really do some damage. But again, Dan, I think it's very, very matchup dependent. Um, although I think he, he really finds his tune at home. Yeah. You think about some of the upcoming home matches, you have Arsenal, you have Swansea, uh, Watford, Crystal Palace, Man City. Um, so I, I think with teams, uh, Crystal Palace, Watford, uh, potentially even Swansea, I can see that working. I don't know if Man City or Arsenal, I'd be willing to kind of put him out there in the midfield. I think the Matic and Conte pairing would probably be my preferred option there. But I, I don't disagree that I think with some of those teams uh, that I would expect to come and, and sit in, uh, a little bit more deeper, a little, you know, five man midfield to potentially try to shut down the wing back mentality. It offers a different alternative to attacking and moving the ball forward. He is literally being a quarterback, Nick. I mean, you've hit it right on the head. Uh, his ability to jumpstart the counterattack, find the long ball. Uh, the guy is phenomenal at passing. He really is. And uh, also our set pieces jump up significantly in efficiency when he's out there you know so like we said he he definitely has a good skill set he is doing a lot of work to get better defensively and i think that he's he's offering much more than what we've seen in the last two years just this season um so if he can kind of continue to round it out i think that'll help um but yeah i mean very much a situational play we'll have to see how it goes but you know being at home in the comforts of stanford bridge and everyone there that definitely helps uh definitely definitely um Let's do one word association. Haven't done this in a while, gentlemen, but Ake's debut makes you feel blank. Dan. I feel like it's a form of validation for the loan system, which is often criticized and, uh, you know, very rarely, I think, appreciated by, you know, fans outside of Chelsea because they look at it as an accumulation of talent 
and, you know, hoarding all the best players, which, yeah, to an extent it is because we have finances that allow us to do that and to source a lot of talent. But I think, you know, you, for us to expect, you know, 10 out of every, of, of 38 potential players on loan at the end of this window to come back in our first team is ridiculous. But if one or two, um, make it in the starting 11 or, you know, conditional, you know, rotation players in the squad, uh, while others have become, you know, I think, uh, financial profit, you know, I, I think that is the system working. That is the way to, in the modern era of football, to produce a high caliber squad and to also stock your coffers. And so to me, it's, it's validation for that system. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. Obviously, um, if he can continue this run and get significant minutes, uh, that'll be a big step in in that process. Nick, what about you? How did uh, Ake's debut debut make you feel? Confident. Uh, I think there's strength and depth of this team, and I think him coming back provides a an option uh, in in three different positions, very flexible options. So uh, the confidence uh, to see him make all those tackles and you know I think celebrate with the team. I think he feels like he should be there, and and if he feels like that and he starts playing a little bit more regularly and confidently, then I feel great about it. Yeah, my word is relieved and kind of on that same path, Nick. I'm relieved that it didn't take him one, two, three months to get minutes. We literally got him in in January, got him training and got him minutes. I think that's the best thing because then kind of that load off his shoulders of, okay, when is it going to happen? When when am I going to get those minutes? I'm really nervous. It's this cloud over top of me. And he got done with it. So uh, I'm really in- interested to hear what you listeners have to say. If you would tweet at us at London Blue Pod, let us know what you thought about Ake's debut. Again, he's playing left wing back, something he isn't really too familiar with, but I thought he looked good. And I think a lot of people have a lot of hope. So let us know what you think. Feel free. You can always email us, londonisbluepodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Any other thoughts about this match? Obviously, FA Cup fourth round, uh, doing the business, getting nine men deep uh, with changes, but we're good. Um, one of those changes, a substitute appearance, Dan Kennedy will be staying at Chelsea after making his late substitution appearance. Uh, apparently, though, reading before the podcast, and I put in the notes here, if it's a North America, so like MLS or like Brazilian club where it's like an off window, like start time, like technically there is the availability to play for a third squad. So like a Brazilian loan is actually not off the table. Um, but you know, you look at the Insta stories and, and him and Diego are good friends and um, you know, I mean, you want to keep Diego happy. So maybe keeping Kennedy around is not the worst thing in the world, but I, I don't see him slotting in to a left wing back. I mean, I, I think what you hope or would see is that maybe he backs up for Hazard, uh, you know, up top in the three, four, three, um, because he, he's not, he, I don't see him playing left wing back above Alonzo or a Nathan Ake. And personally, I don't want to see him. I mean, he's got the pace <laughs> and the speed to attack. I want to see that dynamism. Uh, Musanda's future looks a little more, well, a lot more likely that it's going to include a lone Nick, but that's probably not a bad thing coming off his injuries as well. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if we didn't see him in two really, easy FA Cup matches that, you know, we're just not going to see him this year. So uh, that's okay. Um, I, I do think that he has legit potential. I think he's going to be one kind of like Nathan Ake that comes back and makes a real impact. So uh, if not this year, then next, you know, and really I think you should look to, you know, Shaloba and to, uh, you know, even uh, Kennedy and, and, Nathan Ake and say, I can do this. I got this. You know, I have the talent. Antonio Conte has seen me now for a little bit. Uh, he'll be watching uh, Musanda closely and, and we'll see where that goes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's big that Conte brought him back for a month and really took an in depth look at him. Not everyone did. And so it's a really good option opportunity for Musanda. And I think that he kind of put his roots down again at Cobham and uh, got to be with the team and build up that chemistry and reinforce that desire that this is where he wants to make. And we've all seen his Instagram stories. He's part-time rehabilitator, part-time fashion model, apparently. So <laughs> mix, in, mix in a little bit of football, he'll be all right. Um, being the goalkeeper I am, I would like to give a special shout out to Begovic for the clean sheet. My man, well deserved from him today. 
making some big saves towards the end. It's difficult when it's a quiet, you know, quiet match right until the end, but uh, he stepped up and, and did well. So if he does leave, um, it's going to be big backup shoes to fill, but we'll, we'll deal with that if the time comes. But Nick, your man of the match poll. I see you did something a little different this week besides just posting it on Twitter. Yeah, we put it on Facebook as well. Uh, two different answers, of course. Um, <laughs> it's all subjective, so it's not a big problem. But on Twitter, uh, with 216 votes, we had Pedro as man of the match winner with 38% of the vote. Uh, Sesk, Brana, and William coming in uh, second, third, and fourth. Uh, and then on Facebook, uh, Sesk overwhelmingly took it over Pedro. So uh, kind of a, a two-parter there, Dan. Were there any other considerations? Well, I don't think, you know, did you, did you get many shouts for being wrong this week would be the first question I'd ask. Not a ton, really. Like, I got a few, but I mean, not nearly as many as I normally get. <laughs> and then that, that to me is like, that's, that's your equivalent of the Begovich clean sheet. You know, it comes once so right. often. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think Pedro, uh, well-deserved well for the, the man of the match. Uh, again, making mad runs, offering tons of pace, you know, Becoming a true servant to the club in the way that he was at Barcelona. And again, I think if you look back to the podcast that we did in Minneapolis at the start of the season, we all had a little bit of a different vibe around Pedro at that time. And, and to see this transformation and this, uh, it was kind of, uh, you know, rebirth essentially as a player, you know, in, in Chelsea and under Conte is, uh, is awesome. So I think super deserved and really was awesome performance from him. Well, from here, the six-round draw will be on Monday. And in case you need to know, Chelsea are ball number eight. Come on, Super Frank. Let's get this draw in the bag. Uh, Only seven or possibly eight, depending on how Leicester City's replay with Derby County goes. Uh, Premier League teams are left out of the 16. So about half the teams are still Premier League caliber. Um, Tottenham Arsenal are still in as well. Uh, I think Man City... Uh, then the rest of them are sprinkled out the rest of the table. So there's still some good competition left. Obviously, you get later in the competition, uh, the top teams are going to rise, not Liverpool. Um, but you know what? We're going to go ahead and pause right there, guys. That is our recap of the match. Tweet at us, email us. If we missed anything, we'd love to give you a shout about that on our next pod. But for now, we've got a quick message about World Soccer Shop. Here we go. Hey, Dan. Hey, Nicholas. Full name. Uh, have you ever signed up for a, a profile on, on worldsoccershop.com? Well, I, I did. Uh, I did it back during the holidays because, uh, you know, I like giving gifts and uh, I like things to be fast. And when you have an account with World Soccer Shop, not only is it uh, fast checkout, you get that uh, order tracking so you don't have to worry about getting lost in the mail because that is a terrible thing that happened to you. You can look at your previous orders to make sure you don't order the same thing again. Or if you forget someone's size, and you can also receive emails with exclusive offers and updates about a new product for your favorite clubs. Like so one, yeah, one example of that is uh, I'm kind of a sneakerhead, and uh, every so often, World Soccer Shop will get a, an exclusive pair of like the Ace Ultra Boost or whatever comes their way. I get that email first, so uh, it's an opportunity to sign up. Uh, it'd be a great way to support our pod. So just go to WorldSoccerShop.com, top of the window there, you'll see register for an account and. Uh, and do that for us. It's pretty easy, Chelsea fans. One, two, three steps. Honestly, it gets you access to a lot of great stuff. But it is now time for your social media questions. Obviously, a big one that we're going to go ahead and touch on is the Bronislav Ivanovic fact that he's probably really close to leaving Chelsea. It sounds like Zenit St. Petersburg are definitely in advanced talks with Tony Pulis and West Brom looking to hijack it at the end. Those are the two clubs we've heard the most about um, that you would expect something to happen from here in the next 24 hours. In case he does leave before the Liverpool match, let's go ahead and do a quick rundown of what he's done. So he did sign from Locomotive Moscow in the January transfer window back in 2008 for around £9 million. He barely played the rest of that season because... That was Russia's winter break. He hadn't played for like well over a month and he was in bad shape. He almost left that summer following him. Thankfully, he didn't. We can thank Andriy Shevchenko for telling him to stay. And when he did stay, Dan, what all did he win? 
Uh, you know, what, what, what a better question would be what didn't he win? You know, three, <laughs> three time FA Cup winner, one time League Cup winner, uh, one time Community Shields, uh, Arsenal's favorite trophy, uh, Europa <laughs> League winner, and then a Champions League winner. So, you know, incredible, incredible, uh, servant to the club. And, you know, as much as he maybe has regressed from a, a physical standpoint in his match, maybe half a step slower on, on some of those challenges down the flank, uh, never could question that he uh, didn't have anything but love for Chelsea. Oh, it's true. Um, you know, I think people forget a lot about that. He didn't have an easy start to life at Chelsea. Uh, he persevered through it and it obviously only made him stronger. Nick, you said to see the guy go. Obviously, he's not at the top of his game right now. But when you actually take a step back to think of the last, you know, eight years or so, it's been a great period in Chelsea's history and he was at the center of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... When I think of Branislav Ivanovic, I think we all had that oh shit moment where we realized kind of who he was and what kind of big game player he was. Um, and that oh shit moment was, of course, against Liverpool in the Champions League. Um, he, uh, what, I, what I'll say about him is every athlete goes through this. When, it, when, when you don't have it anymore, it goes quick. And we saw him in, in the 14-15 season play every match. Him and, him and Terry uh, were dead set on that, playing every match. Uh, and that was that was the peak of his powers. We saw the decline come quickly after uh, and even during that season. But uh, what I'll remember him for is being a tremendous athlete in his prime. I mean, a really tremendous athlete uh, and, and just having guts. He was a big game player. And it, that's a, it does. It takes huge, huge guts to, you know, to score two headed goals in your Champions League kind of kind of debut and then to win the league a couple times and you know to be a part of all these big moments i know it's easy to think about the last couple of years of his performances but he has been instrumental in all of those trophies uh that you that you mentioned there so uh just a, a tremendous asset to chelsea and for nine million pounds you can argue one of the bargains ever in premier league history <laughs> He did. He did a lot. It was amazing. And not only that, you talk about his athleticism, literally a center back playing right back against pacey wide mm -hmm. players. Uh, dude could cover some ground for the most part. Um, anyways, uh, let's go ahead and keep going at just but do it a regular hitting us up on Twitter. All of us making sure uh, RLC is not an attacker in his opinion. Where do you think he should be playing? Well, Nick, this is probably pretty interesting because I think you think he should be an attacker. Yeah, I disagree with, with Abe's here. I look, I think that he may not have a natural position. I think we can all say that he is multi talented. He has a huge frame. He could be a striker. He could be a box to box midfielder. He could be a winger. I think in the in the position he's playing now, he's never looked better. And that's I think partially because he has the creative freedom to go and, and make really difficult plays happen. Uh, so I think that part of his talent is shining through. And I think he should be playing up top, um, you know, in that, in that front three, Dan, what about you? Uh, you know, not often that uh, Nick and I agree a hundred percent on something. <laughs> uh, we can mark this down as one of the, uh, the five moments it's ever happened on the show, but uh, this day. yeah, it is. Yeah. Not, 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 not many, but uh, I agree. You know, he, he is an attacker, uh, you know, Conte in the preseason even talked about, you know, he could be a, a striker, and he can be an attacker, and I think that that is really what he he hopes that happen. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, you know, RLC is also going to stay for the rest of the season, and you know we're pretty adamant that that loan, you know, there's not going to be a loan for him. So if we do get some opportunities to see you know him played in, in later matches later in the season, if we can uh, lock things up, so to speak, uh, it'd be nice to see him get some. Uh, some Premier League minutes to see how this growth of athleticism and play and understanding philosophy really translates beyond these FA Cup matches. Uh, next, we've got at Stephen Richie Chi. All right. He says, not sure if it's too early to ask, but does Wenger's ban for the Chelsea match have an impact? Uh, we'll go ahead and give it a half a shout. Obviously, there isn't a lot of time before that match, so I think that it's fine to go ahead and look ahead. Personally, uh, Jason Cundy, I guess not personally, but I've been listening personally to, to Talk Sport and Jason Cundy and Andy Goldstein have been talking about this a lot. Like, 
even the guys in ESPN FC doesn't matter having your manager in the stands or in the touchline. I think it will mainly because Arsenal are fragile. They're a fragile team. If things don't go their way, they need someone to tell them it's going to be okay and to keep going. And, and without that presence, uh, I think that it will affect it. I don't think it's maybe a huge matter, but it, it, it's worth something of a, at least a mention. I, I was going to say, I thought it gave more of a funny chance. Oh, <laughs> well, I guess it could then, Dan. I mean, why not? Yeah, you know, you talk about fragility. I think some of that fragility does come from you know a manager who's only been able to beat this you know this team uh, one time, very recent memory, which I'm sure uh, you know the um, dog banner creating fans of Arsenal uh, will not be quick to let us live down. Uh, but you know, dominance in in London uh, is blue, and you know, I think if they want to look at the you know crane their necks upward look towards the sky and reach up with a hand. They're still nowhere near the points total that they need to take the league. Uh, so they, they have to shut their mouths. They have to be very focused and, and come in and play a game. And that, you know, that's responsibilities on Wenger to set them up for that. But I think, you know, to your point that you made them about them being fragile, uh, I think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how they cope and what the substitutions end up being. Uh, and maybe he's picked up some things about, uh, you know, sneaking in to, uh, to rooms in, uh, you know, attendance laundry carts from, uh, his bitter rival that might help him out in this match. Uh-huh. I would look just quickly on this. I don't think it matters if he's on the touchline or not, because this is a revenge game. I think this mm-hmm. has been the game that Antonio Conte's looked at since September, the game he couldn't play the next week because he would have. He would he would have played these guys seven times in a row. I think just wanting revenge. Uh, it's not going to matter. I think we're going to throttle him. Awesome, I love it. At Josh underscore Edder says, "Is Aspie human?" And then followed up with, "Dude doesn't miss a game." Uh, I can actually answer this because I asked him this in preseason when they were in Minneapolis. I I asked Aspie, "What is it like never getting tired?" And he responded. I feel pretty tired. So <laughs> while he is human, he is a freak of nature. Uh, the motor on that guy is, is absolutely nuts. Um, not a lot of minutes off this season, but he's a reliable guy that you can, you know, throw him on the right side, throw him on the left side, throw him in a wing back. He'll get the job done. I mean, it's pretty fantastic, Nick. Um, but I don't know. Do you think he's human? <laughs> Sometimes I think he is, and then other times I see him playing on the left like nothing ever happened, uh, and he's he just seems like a robot. I mean, uh, he's a next generation Westworld host, what he is. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, no, he's uh, what we'll say about Dave is I think of of the players we met in Minneapolis, uh, he he's just tremendous and, and funny, and uh, I think easily loved. Without a doubt, he was leaning on the podium, just kind of shooting the breeze, laughing at Lee Parker, uh, you know, him and Emanalo. It, it was great. Fantastic attitude. Uh, last one up at Franco underscore 47 NM says, what is the likelihood of Chelsea surprising us on deadline day? Just like back in 2011, Dan. Yeah. I'm at least gonna be like 2011. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I think the only surprise would be just, you know, it, it's more people leaving. I don't think there's going to be a shock coming in because it also sounds like from a lot of what Conte is saying uh, is that he's happy with a lot of the squad. And you look at the players that he has from a, a youth or depth situation. And at the beginning of the season, you looked at this some of this roster and you're like, there is no depth to the squad. And again, it's shock and awe that there is depth to the squad. And it's carried us to being in contention for the FA Cup, to being first in the Premier League table. And, and so the other clubs really need to be the ones to worry because they have to figure out the way to disrupt the chemistry and to, to get us off our tracks. They're the ones that have to worry about deadline day and a big signing. Um, you know, and actually retaining talent instead of sending a talent away like uh, West Ham and, and Payette. Cashed in on that real quick after saying that there was no chance that that was going to happen. Better than Zidane, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess you're right. Um, Nick, anything that you would like to add into that point, essentially? No. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and tee up for this one from at Chelsea. Eric underscore says, out of all the players who came into the match today, 
who's ready to get in the starting 11. We can open this up to all nine changes, not uh-huh. just the youth players. Uh, you want me to go on this? Yeah. Uh, Zuma. Zuma's right. the most ready. I, I think uh, the more I see him play, I don't think he will for a little while, but uh, the more I see him play, the more I'm starting to see flashes of, of what I what I saw last year. So, Zuma. Dan, they'll probably bring Vine back just for Zuma. <laughs> I, I guarantee that's going to happen. Uh, or, or they're just going to have to figure out how they restrict in, you know, Instagram videos to six seconds because that's all you need <laughs> to enjoy the magic and uh, majesty and, and just true wonderment that is a Zuma tackle. Um, yeah. Gosh. Um I think you know. I mean, Fabregas is probably the one. <laughs> That's fair. That's, That's best, fair. best likelihood to, to to make it back into most of these matches because he he defensively looked better in this match. And again, it's Brentford, so you have to add a little asterisk on the end of the performance. But uh, he looks good, he, and he he's helping us unlock teams. And I think it's going to be a reoccurring theme this second half of the season with the remaining matches we have that teams are going to stack their box and it's going to be like Jenga and it's going to be like the start of a Jenga game every match we're trying to figure out how to pull the one piece at a time out and he's the person who just like knock the whole effing you know thing down and get us through to the end he uh, still had a terrible misslide tackle though and I just wanted to point that out because it was hilarious He's still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the difference is he'd be playing next to Conte versus playing next to Chaloba. And I think that also ups his game and the games we have seen him come in is that he definitely plays a little better. And if we wanted to go to the three five two kind of transition in the games where we needed to unlock some places, he looks so good in that, that five man midfield. Yeah, he is obviously the closest one ready. In my mind, that will like give an actual selection headache to Conte as much as I think, um, you know, Zuma adds depth, Ake potentially adds depth, even a William Pedro kind of battle. You think that Fabregas is closest to, to kind of breaking in consistently, but that still isn't that great of a shout because Modic and, and Conte are like, they're, they're Antonio Conte players. I mean, that's just what they were built for. Um, real quick, off of Facebook, Justin asks, Ake definitely impressed. It will be difficult to take away Alonso's spot, though. Do you see him, Ake, playing more of as a wing back or a center back since he's played both? Uh, Dan, I mean, what do you think, inside or outside defender? Uh, I think left center back and either being the backup for Cahill or kind of being the slow transition uh, off of Cahill to to Ake, uh, I think would be more natural. I think Alonzo, you know, he got flack and then, you know, Super Saiyan himself once, you know, Ake came on board and brought his game up to a different level. And as long as he can maintain at that form, I don't really think there's an issue <laughs> with uh, with Alonzo necessarily being unseated right now. I would disagree. I would say his future is at, at left wing back. Um, when you look at some of the talent that's rolling in and perhaps buying another um, center back in the in the summer window, I think it's a lot harder to replace to find a replacement for Alonzo. And I think we have, you know, if injury happens or if he loses his form, uh, then it is to go find a center back. So I would say that his future is at left wing back. Definitely a more kind of urgent requirement to fill that depth for that spot for sure. Uh, Levi asks, uh, Mishi, what do you think? Does he have a place other than a last minute substitution or cup matches as long as we have Diego? Um, you know, Levi, for me, this is pretty cut and simple. No, like he will be an end of the match sub and a cup player as long as Diego Costa is just Diego Costa-ing this league. It's 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 hard to argue that otherwise. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pitch his next question to you guys saying, John Terry, will he stay or will he go, Nick, at the end of this season? He will go. Uh, and hopefully not too far. Hopefully just moves on the bench over into a coaching role with those nice pajamas that they have. And... Uh, <laughs> And is able to uh, and start that part of his career. I mean, well, I didn't think he looked bad in this game. By the way, it's like the one thing we haven't talked about from the from the Brentford match. I think Terry looked okay. 
Um, it's, it's very it's sad just, point to like you know have to talk about John Terry and talk about how not bad his performances are. Though it's such a right, you know, but he looked, he didn't look that bad though. I mean, you know, I, I think let's give him some credit. But uh, yes, he will go in the summer. I don't have any doubt about that. Dan, do you agree with that? 100%. He is okay. uh, playing his last few matches. And I, what I imagine happens is I imagine uh, if we, again, if we can lock up the title, which the next two Premier League matches would go a long way to helping make that happen, um, I would imagine that David Luiz um, gets a little bit of a uh, early holiday and John Terry gets a couple of matches uh, to kind of send off uh, and pay tribute to a, a historically uh, brilliant career for any defender, uh, but an amazing relationship that he's had uh, as a player for and captain for Chelsea. He's, Thank- he's the best defender ever in the Premier League, and it's not even close. Yeah. Boom. 100%. Thankfully, he will not uh, have any less of a relationship with Chelsea. That would be fantastic. But that just makes me think, guys, man, we got to get to Stamford Bridge before JT retires. Mm-hmm. Put that put that on the old uh, drawing board for later. Um, all right. Thank you guys so much. Uh, love the questions as always. We're going to give you uh, a bit of a hint at what you should uh, be scoping out as any good Chelsea fan would. A pretty sweet shirt. Check it out. It's at World Soccer Shop. Here we go. Yeah. Hey, hey Nick, uh, are you looking for something? cool to wear but you won't you don't want people to think that you don't understand that chelsea has a pretty historic uh, legacy as a club that is exactly what i'm looking for how did you know that yeah you know i'm, I'm a little bit of a mind reader and i think worldsoccershop.com has you covered because they do have the chelsea 1970 fa cup winner jersey available which is super timely considering the fact that we're advancing the next round Right. I think the, the cool part about this jersey is it you know has the old school line on it and then it has a little FA Cup insignia right next to it. So people will know that you you're you're a supporter of a team that wins stuff um, and that doesn't come in fourth place and that you you can also uh, look cool and, and stylish because it's just it's a very nice blue uh, kind of jersey cut, no fancy ruffles or anything to it. Yeah, you know, so the 1970 FA Cup winning jersey available now at worldsoccershop.com for $16.99. It is a clean looking piece of clothing. I recommend you guys go check it out. Uh, but we got to wrap this thing up. You know, we've been we've been going for a while now and you guys know what's up. We got Liverpool. All right. We're back at the Premier League. It's going to be at Anfield on this coming Tuesday. Okay. You're not going to have to wait a week. We're only going to wait till Tuesday, January 31st. So as we always like to remind you, schedule your meetings or sick leave tomorrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you know how this works, guys. Oh, man. Uh, it's coming right. out strong, Dan. Yeah, the blues-itis is, uh, is hitting hard this week. Uh, Liverpool have had a horrible January, winning one out of their eight matches, including being knocked out of both the League Cup and FA Cup. Uh, one win, three draws, four losses. Obviously not the run that they've won. They've had a ton of matches, uh, more than us because we've been out of the EFL Cup. But that's also their own fault for, you know, having to have a replay against Southampton. Just kidding. They're in the semis, so they had to play two legs. Sucks to suck. But Nick, um, Sadio Mane is back in England after Senegal were just knocked out of the African Cup of Nations on Saturday. Liverpool went out of their way to get him a private jet to rush him back. They're hoping he'll be ready for this match against us. You know, while he's going to be a bit of an emotional boost on paper, there's a lot of travel. He just played in a tournament, which is draining, and he missed a penalty to keep Senegal in the competition. So maybe he isn't full of confidence right now. Uh, what do you think as far as their record in January goes? We're catching them what seems like the perfect time, even though they're getting Sadio Mane back. Uh, I, I mean, I think this is this is kind of one of those points in the season that you look to um, that could be momentous if Chelsea were to win. Um you know, they, they've struggled over the last, you know, you just highlighted it perfectly. I don't need to tell the, the crew they've struggled. And ever since uh, Jurgen Klopp made the uh, comment that Chelsea had won 13 games and Liverpool was still only six <laughs> points behind, uh, that hasn't, hasn't really uh, bore a whole lot of fruit for them. So uh, I, I think this is going to be tough as hell. Uh, I think this is, I think you look at Liverpool and their, 
their chance to win the league that kind of rests upon winning of the rest of these big six matchups and making up ground. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be tough, Dan. It's not going to be easy. Yeah, you think about it today, it's a, uh, you know, 10 point gap between our two squads. Uh, if we win, it becomes a 13 point gap. And, you know, this was the team that, you know, we thought a lot of us thought for a while was going to be the, the primary challenger with uh, no European football to distract them. Uh, it turns out they didn't need distractions other than themselves. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the opportunity to be, you know, 13 points versus seven points is, is massive. And, you know, I think that puts us in a position to really, at that point, only have to worry about, you know, the London, other London clubs in Arsenal and Tottenham. Now they talk about momentous, you know, this is going to be the way that we look at the next couple of matches and be very strategic and thoughtful because this could mean, uh, putting a trophy in, in the cabinet early, getting clear in space or kind of being a little bit more tenuous and having to ride it out through, uh, you know, a, a dense February and, and March. So Liverpool did get to rest players in the FA cup, except they lost by resting players. Mm. Uh, and thankfully Chelsea were able to do the same. So, I mean, how, again, Dan feeling good, right? I mean, man, 13 points. That is a ton. Obviously, they're not in second, um, but the way it stands, like this week is is massively crucial. Um, mainly because the last time we played both Liverpool and Arsenal back to back, we lost both of those matches, and then we went on a thirteen match unbeaten streak. So, Nick, you kind of mentioned this earlier. This is a revenge week for Antonio Conte and the players. So they're going to be up more than what they normally would have just. A, you know, a, a title contender matchup. This is about redeeming themselves and saying, we made the changes. We are a better team than what we were back then. We're going to get stuck in and improve it this week. And I think that Chelsea have done a really good job of showing that uh, no matter who the the matchup has been, Nick, this um, ever since, you know, way back then. Yeah, I, this is exactly right. I mean, these next two matches are going to be, um, I think they'll say a lot about Antonio Conte and how he's adjusted, um, you know, for Liverpool against their kind of gig and pressing high press, high energy scenario. And then against Arsenal, kind of the finesse pass the ball around the field um, tactic that, that they like to use. So uh, I look at this match, it'll be uh, one up front. I'm hoping that and Hazard really, really has a good game. Uh, we've historically played pretty well um, at, at Anfield over the last five years. So I'm not, I'm not really sweating going there that much as, as I am, uh, you know, some of their uh, attacking players against Gary Cahill. So I think that's kind of the matchup too, that you want to watch is, you know, the Adam Alana, uh, Firmino, um, type of scenario against, um, against Cahill. Well, thankfully, Dan, there's one thing we do know, and they're going to give chances to our attackers. And, you know, our defense is definitely held up a lot better than theirs, uh, but they do have a potent attack. Their problem has always just been their inability to defend it at any level. Yeah, you know, they're uh, porous, I think would be uh, too too polite of a word to use to describe <laughs> their defense at times, uh, you know, because at times it's just, it's not there. Um, you know, I, I honestly think one of the biggest um, differences is in goalkeeping. And, you know, you look right there, what uh, Kraus has been able to do or not do for Liverpool and what Courtois has been able to do with, uh, you know, Jedi mind powers for Sunderland and other examples this season. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to come down to some really clutch saves. And I, I think our team is structured in a way to absorb better than Liverpool. And I think that's going to pay off dividends for, for a Chelsea win. I think Mignolet is starting over Carrius, Dan. Uh, okay. in, the, in the league. So, I mean, either way, not really oh, that much. Wow. I, I actually feel even better. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, again, it's not solidified. You had Karius coming out and like getting into an argument with uh, Neville, you know, and on Twitter. And there's this disaster. And then Minnie came in and he had a good two, three matches wherever. Then the wheels fell off again. And, you know, Matip was injured and he's kind of coming back and stuff. But, you know, the good news is there's a lot going on. There's a lot of uncertainty. So, I'm not confident going to this match, but I feel like this is probably the best situation for Chelsea to be in uh, going into this match because we always knew from the beginning this was 
at some level is going to be a title rival. So let us know what you guys think is going to happen. Um, not a lot of time. We'll see if we can get some more predictions out. I might, you know, throw my name out there, see what happens <laughs> again. Uh, but you guys can let us know. I know Jay on Facebook will totally have you guys set up, but that's all we've got for this episode. So we thank you all so, so much for listening to the end. You guys are the real heroes that listen to all 60 minutes of what we have to yammer about. But uh, final thought time, uh, Nick, what do you have to, to wrap us up with? Yeah, I just wanted to, to give a shout out to uh, to Chris Axon, who is a good friend of ours. We repost his photos and uh, articles. Uh, he's he's just been great to work with, and you know, a tremendous uh, season ticket holder. Uh, goes to home and away matches, is everywhere all the time. Uh, if you haven't listened to or or listened, uh, read his articles or uh, looked at his his photos. Uh, befriend him. Uh, you should become friends with him. And then also go to uh, caxonblog.com and read his articles. And, uh, you know, you will not regret it. We met him in Minneapolis this summer and it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, fantastic Chelsea fan who just wants nothing more than everyone to be helped and, and to love Chelsea. Dan, what about you? You know, uh, if Begovic does leave in this window, uh, I think it's going to. You know, I think we're going to remember the fact that he was, you know, a bench warmer to Thibaut Courtois for a lot of time, especially this season. Uh, but looking back, Courtois gets injured last season. Begovic, you know, does get, you know, goes from deputy to sheriff. And last season sucked. And there were a lot of horrible games. And I can remember a couple where Begovic, you know, either saved the draw or allowed us to win some of those very, very few wins that we saw. Um, you know, all credit to the the class that he is, and whatever team ends up with them, you know, if it is uh, you know Bournemouth here, you know, those fans are super lucky because he is definitely, I think, a wonderful spokesperson for the club, a great, great goalkeeper, and uh, the, you know, credit to him for being a good servant to the club. Oh yeah, he's got the Begovic Foundation, uh, so you know he just loves helping people like on such a genuine level. Also, I mean, what's JT going to do without his buddy? I mean, we see this on his Instagram <laughs> profile. You know, Begovic and Terry are tight, and then their wives are. They're always hanging out the floor. So, you know, John, if you need a friend, just let us know. We can try We're to always help you that void. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Well, we appreciate it. As always, again, uh, quick turnaround. We will be back Tuesday after the Liverpool match. You know we're going to cover that one. So excited to see how that match goes. I have nervous excitement, as I'm sure all of you do as well. So thank you. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.